So we're, we're talking about everyday believer stuff. James is interested in this, this practical aspect of following Christ, this idea that we are people who live different lives than other people live. Amen? Don't you, don't you believe that? Christians ought to be different. And ought not just be in, 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 in our appearance and things like that, but in our character and the way we treat people especially. And James is really talking about that. Today we're going to get into this idea at the end of chapter 2. Call it called dynamic faith. He's got a lot of things. So, so we've looked at being joyful in trouble. He said, count it all joy, didn't it? When you go through all these particular trials and things. And then we talked about overcoming temptation in everyday life. It always comes. The Spirit of God is going to give us strength to not just cave in, but to overcome. We don't have to cave in to the temptation. We all have before. But we need to get a strength in us. Because, see, the world's not going to change. Sin's not going anywhere until Jesus does away with all of it in the end which is a new beginning. Sin's not going away. The world's not going to change. So we've got to get stronger, don't we? We've got to get stronger than the temptations around us. Then we talked about being doers and not just hearers of the word. Uh, last time we talked about the royal law. What was the royal law? Remember the royal law? What was that? Love your neighbor as you love yourself, the way you would like to be loved. Now today we're going to hone into this fact about faith is more than just a creed. It's more than just a belief. It's more than signing off on a on a, 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 a statement of belief. It's more than just signing off and repeating a creed or singing a song. Faith is something that motivates us to action. Because when Jesus saved us, He didn't just save us for heaven. He saved us to be a particular kind of people on the earth. He is creating a new creation, us, a new humanity that's going to walk the planet even as He walked. That's a tall order, isn't it? James is going to kind of dive into some of that today. So we're going to wade into a 2,000-year-old debate. And when you're out of here, we're going to settle it. By the time we leave today, we're going to settle this thing, right? About faith and works. There's this idea about faith, works, all this bantering back and forth with scholars and theologians. You know what a theologian is? It's somebody that takes something real simple and complicates it for everybody. Isn't that what a theologian is? <laughs> Jesus was just the opposite. He was a communicator. Obviously, he was a theologian. He was God in the flesh. But he, he, made things, he made difficult things simple. And that's why everybody was like, wow, we get this. We get it now. All right. So this idea of faith and works and all that kind of thing, some people put Paul and James at odds together because Paul says some things about faith and works and James says some things about faith and works. And maybe on surface level, it looks like they disagree a little bit. This is what Paul says about faith and works. You remember the passage in Ephesians 2? You, you'll, re, you'll remember this. For by grace you have been saved. By the grace of God we're saved. you believe that? Amen. Through the cross when Jesus paid for our sins, He made a way for us to be saved. Saved from the wrath of God, saved from all the futility of our, our mistakes and our sins and all the things that chaos brings in our lives. Jesus made a way by grace. And we've got a song that we've sang throughout the ages. What's the word we put on the front of grace? Grace, it's amazing grace. It's absolutely amazing. It's, we're saved by grace through faith. Faith is like the, the connecting point. We see the grace of God and we believe it. We connect ourselves to God by faith. And, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anybody should boast about it. You can't earn your way into this thing. So that's what religion tries to do all the time. Religion tries to, to get you in this mindset that you've got to earn your place. Grace says, here it is. Do you want it? So religion says, earn it. Grace says, receive it. It's a big difference. It's been, it's been taken care of through Christ. 
So we can't brag about any of it. We don't come in here to brag. We come in here to worship. It's a big difference, isn't it? But he, he doesn't stop right there. He, he talks about this idea we can't earn it. See, grace, grace is not opposed to your efforts. It's opposed to the attitude of earning. Because we, we've got effort to put into this thing. Don't you believe that? I mean, I, we, we've got to put great effort into our, our relationship with Jesus. It's, it's not just one-sided. He did everything and we connect, but we begin to walk together. God's not opposed to our effort. He's just opposed to the attitude of earning. But then he continues in verse 10. He says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you see that? By grace, through faith, produces a life of good works. That's just kind of common sense, isn't it? All right. That, that's, that's where Paul goes. Now, let's, let's go into James. What, what is James going to talk about? James, you know, Paul's talking about the, the, the perspective of legalism and self-righteousness. You cannot earn your way into this. I don't care what you do. Your righteousness is nothing but filthy, dirty, nasty rags that don't need to be in you or with you. They need to be burned and gone. Paul's dealing with legalism and self-righteousness. James is dealing more with laziness and false conversion or false faith. You know, there are people that seem to think they're Christians but are not. My, I, my idea is not to convince you one way or another. That's between you and the Holy Spirit to do that. But James is dealing with the pretenders. He's going to come right at it. And again, James is a head-on collision. Are you figuring that out with James? It is a head-on collision. James will make you... Examine yourself, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. So James is going to come after the pretenders, the self-deceived. And this is what he says beginning in verse 14. I want to read all the way from verse 14 to 26 and back up into it. And then break it down and explain it a little bit. What does it profit, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith or faith alone save him? Verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Have you heard that phrase before? Faith without works is dead. He's, he's going to say it about three different times in this whole little run right here. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. That's kind of a, it's kind of a sarcastic statement right there. He says, okay, show me your faith without doing anything about, with it. Well, I can't show it to you. I'm just thinking about it. It's just in me. And he said, ah, I got you. He said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you my faith with my works. You see what I'm talking about? A little sarcasm right there from James. Aren't you glad that Jesus and, and James and people like that are sarcastic just a little bit sometimes? Then it just sets you at ease. Because I'm hoping sarcasm is a spiritual gift. Because if it is, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be okay. Anybody like that? Mm -hmm. Verse 19. It says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And do you see that faith was working together with his works 
And by works, faith was made complete or perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. We've got a song we sing about that. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Not just by profession of faith. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Read a little shock therapy right here. Talk about Abraham, then he brings her into the picture. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Now with just just the reading of that, what do you think is the main idea James is trying to get across? He said it three, what's what's the main idea he's trying to get, get across to us? Faith without works is dead. Amen. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this word that you give through James. We just ask you to help us. Uh, your word lasts forever, Lord. And I pray that it would produce in us the kind of person, the kind of life, the kind of faith that you want in us, Lord. Help us. Help us as we grapple, Lord. Help us as we come in contact with our failures to know that your grace is enough. Your forgiveness will cover us. And you will help us. Not just to be, you know, struggling in our Christian faith, but you're, you're helping us overcome. You're helping us become a new kind of person. Strengthen our faith today as we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's look at three things right, right quick. Got these from the Bible Ex- Exposition Commentary by Warren Wiersbe. If you are doing any kind of class or anything like that, anything by Warren Wiersbe is really good. He lays it out real good. And I'm just going to borrow three words from him right here. Dead faith, demonic faith, dynamic faith. Let's look at those three. It's what James kind of outlines. Faith. Now, what, what comes to mind when you think about, like, God? You know, could, could you sit down and write out kind of like what you believe? If I, if I gave you an hour, two hours, maybe a half a day or, or maybe longer, and say, hey, okay, tell me what you think, what you know about God. That'd be important, wouldn't it? That's one of the most important person, questions a person can ask somebody. Or some, one of the most important things you can kind of work out in your mind. Well, what about salvation? What, what if I, I said, I need you to write me a two-page paper on salvation? What, what, what would you say? What would you come up with? You, you need to have an answer for that, right? Now, James is going to say, what, what, what do you think about when you think about faith? This idea of faith. What is faith to you? What, what is the idea of faith? What does that mean to you? Because our, our viewpoints on, on subjects like these, God, salvation, and faith, our, our viewpoints literally shape our lives and they shape our behaviors. And if we're, we're parents and family, it's going to shape our families. So James is interested in us being these faithful followers of Jesus who are not deceived in living a lie that we have the proper understanding of what true biblical faith in Jesus Christ looks like. And he challenges us right where we live. He starts off with with three questions, three serious questions. From verse 14 to 16, three questions. Question number one, right here, what what does it say? Say it with me. What does it profit if someone says he or she has faith but does not have works? Now, that's that's a real important word, profit, okay? Now, that's that's P-R-O-F-I-T, not P-H-E-T. That's profit. That's Isaiah and Jeremiah and all that. He's talking about profit. What's profit? 
Anybody know what profit is? Anybody know own a business or run a business or sell something? What do you want profit to be? You want to be in the black and not in the red, right? It's when you gain something. If you got something for $10, you bought it, you want to sell it for 20 or 100 or 500 or whatever. You want to make a profit. Well, see, now, God's like that. God wants to bring a profit out of your life. He gives you life. He gives you opportunity. He gives you all kinds of things. God wants you to take whatever gifts, abilities, talents, opportunities you have, and He wants you, working with Him in His Spirit, He wants you to make a profit with your life. You believe that? Jesus was very, very plain about this subject now. Remember the parable of the talents, what we call it, the parable of the talents? Where he had three people come to him and he gave one five and one two and one one talent. Remember that? And talent was kind of a sum of money. He gave it to him. And what, what did he say to the one who had five? They went out and they did what? They doubled it. They doubled it. He said, good, good job. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. The one who had two, what did they do? And I said, not everybody's going to start with the same thing. See, this is so... We've gotten so away from the Bible story and away from the teachings of Jesus. Now we're trying to talk about everybody being equal and equity and everybody having the same. Because see, the, the, the government wants to give everybody five talents. It, well, not everybody can handle it. I don't know. I don't give them out, but God does. Not everybody can handle the same amount. Some people can handle more. Some people can handle less. Do you believe that? You live with people. You know them. You can see how some, some take stress better than others. Some can handle money better than others. Some can handle responsibility better than others. You know what I'm talking about? And the one who had two talents, they took it and they doubled it, right? And God said, good job. Good job. Jesus said, enter into the joys of the Lord. But there was this other person. They didn't, they didn't get but one. What'd they do? They went behind the house, dug a hole, stuck it in the ground, covered it back up, and said, you stay right there. Mm-hmm. Then the master came back and dealt with this one who had one. We dealt with all three of them, but he got to this one who had one. And he said, what you got for me? Well, they handed him an old dusty bag. Had a little dirt on it. All right, here, here you go. I, I, here's here's the, what you gave me. I'm going to give it back to you. My paraphrase. What? <laughs> I didn't give you what I gave you so you could give back what I gave you because if I would have done that, I'd have just kept it and not gave it to you. That's my paraphrase. I can't repeat that, but go ahead. So, the master looks at him and says, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. And long story short, he says, take that servant, cast him into the fire. And give that talent to the one who had ten. Because they'll do something with it. You know what I'm talking about? So God's interested in us making a profit. That's where we're at. And that's what James is talking about. What, what would it profit? God's interested in us making a profit with our lives. I believe, I believe you know, it's in us. I, I believe it's in us. If it's not suppressed or oppressed by us or, or the, the environment around us, it's in us to be more than what we started with. It's in us. It's in every one of us. There's this drive. We, we call it success. God's right here calling it profit. There's this drive in us that we want to make a profit. Now think about how that works spiritually. God wants us to use our lives to bring a profit for Him and His kingdom. You believe that? 
has the, in, has the kingdom increased in some shape, form, or fashion because of your, what James calls, works? Well, let's, take, let's drop the S off of it. Makes a little more sense to us. Has, has the kingdom increased because of your work or your working with God? That's the question he's asked. That's question number one. All right? So what, what is profit again? Now, profit is, is making an increase on something, right? Let, let me give you kind of more of a spiritual definition of what I think he's talking about. This is my definition here. Profit is this. Goodness added to people's lives for the glory of God and the benefit of that person. So profit happens, again, let me repeat that. Profit happens when we take the life, gifts, abilities, talents, and opportunities that God has given us and produce something good with it. You believe that? So, so what would a profit? Mm-hmm. So question number two. It's kind of connected. It's connected to the first question. Can faith or faith alone save a person? Can a, can a mental ascent or you saying you believe something, can that save you? Does that prove that you're saved? Hmm. Because to James, if you say you believe or have faith and that's all you have, it's just words, no actions, no works, what good is that? That's what he's asking. What good is it? To be a Christian and don't Christian. What good is that? I mean, we, I mean, you, we don't even have use for them, do we? But what, what good is that? that? That's what he's asking. What good is it? All right. So question number three. Now he, he wraps the third question around this scenario. Sounds a little bit like he was talking to Jesus about this kind of stuff. He, he wraps this question around the scenario. Now the scenario was this, Remember? If, if a brother or sister, maybe that's a natural family member, maybe it's a spiritual family member, if they come to you and they're hungry and in need of clothes, and basically what you do is, uh, I mean, I see you're having a tough time. Things ain't going too good for you. And, and, and you just kind of pat them on the back and say, go in peace. And you know what? I'll, I'll add to it a little bit. I'll be praying for you. Be strong, bro. Hmm. James would say, did you really help that person? I mean, they had these physical needs of hunger and they needed something decent to wear. Maybe they fell on hard times. Maybe a storm come through. We just saw that happen. And you have it within your means to help. And all you gave them were words. Did that really help? If you are hungry and somebody says, I'll pray for you. How would you feel about that person while they go in their house and sit down at a meal? You, you, no. I mean, I can't eat that. You know what I'm talking about? That's what he's... He, so he's asking what benefit or profit did you bring to that person? If you had the, the means to help and you did not, what profit did you bring them? Not at all. None. So, so these three questions he wraps around, and then he, then he gets to that first idea of faith, dead faith. These three verses, verse 17, verse 20, and verse 26. We, we just read them. Faith, read, read these with me. I, I want you to hear yourself saying this. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, 
is dead, right? Faith just by itself. Just make a mental ascent. You say we believe, we sing we believe, but we don't, do, we don't have anything else. That's all we got. You're dead. That, that's not a good thing. Verse 20, let's read this together. But do you not, do, excuse me, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Again, this is in this short run, the third, third time, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So he's talking about dead faith, right? So if there's a dead faith that's in a person, and you, you, can, you can kind of tell sometimes. Now, we, we, we're not always good at judging that, but we can, we can tell when somebody's just dead. I mean, there's just no spiritual pulse whatsoever. So if there's dead faith, what, what, what would you kind of come to a conclusion? What, what's he wanting us to have? Instead of dead faith, what would he want us to have? Alive, a vibrant faith, and, and, and a life-giving faith. In fact, it says of, of Jesus that he's a life-giving spirit. That what, when he comes into somebody's life, he gives them life. And in fact, he even shares his own life, his resurrection life, with us. So he's interested in us breaking free from this idea of dead faith. And he, he clarifies, I don't want to hear what you say. I want to see what you believe. See, James is kind of from Missouri. You know where Missouri is? I'm from Tennessee, so Missouri wasn't that far away. We'd go over to Branson and all that kind of stuff all the time. What, any, any, no, anybody know what Missouri's model is, uh, motto is? Show it's the show me state, isn't it? See, James may be from Missouri. He said, don't tell me what you believe. I, I, I hear James saying this. If I followed you around for a day, would there be any evidence? That showed me your faith. Hmm. I heard somebody say the other day that they said that sometimes in believers, the only difference between them and the world is where they park their car for two hours on Sunday. Hmm, that's pretty tough, huh? I, I, I didn't say that. Somebody else said that, but I thought it was pretty good. So we're back again to the royal law. Love your neighbor. This idea. We ought to be able to follow you and see how you're loving your neighbor. All right. Jesus kind of brings it together right here in Matthew 5, 16. This Sermon on the Mount. And there's so many references. I think over 20 or better of James referring back to this Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. See your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, we're not showing off. We're not trying to put things on display. But it ought to just be just an outcropping of our life, an outflowing of our life, that people see our good works. And there's something supernatural that's coming through you and in you and, and, and coming to other people that they see it and they say, Ah, she's not quite like everybody else. You know, that girl's a little, a little different. Not different in a good way. Jesus says, you know what I want out of all of my followers? I want you to give them something to see. Not just a track. Those things can be good. Not just a pamphlet from the church. Not, not, not even just a Bible. I want you to give them something to see. Through your actions. You see that? So dead faith, dead faith. So it's not a difficult thing to understand, right? 
It's not really. I don't know why all the brouhaha is over these kind of things sometimes. If somebody says they're a mechanic, what do you expect out of them? They work on stuff. They fix stuff. They fix cars or whatever they may fix. Tractors, whatever it might be. You need a tractor fix. You, you do that kind of stuff. If, if somebody says they're a doctor, what do you expect to see them do? Dealing with patients and helping people find healing and things like that. If, if they're a baseball player, what do you expect to see them doing? Yeah, again, they're on a team. They're playing baseball somewhere. If, they, if they're a waitress or waiter, what do you expect to see them doing? Waiting tables, doing things, and you catch them in action. If they're a contractor, you expect to see them doing whatever, electrical stuff or, or building a house or whatever. If it's a nurse, you expect to see them nursing, right? Doing something, caring for people. Now, put that same logic. If someone says, I'm a follower of Christ, what do you expect to see? Hmm. You expect to see that, right? And now none of us are perfect, and everybody could... Could take snapshots of our life in certain seasons and say, ah, gotcha. You're not quite that. But overall, picture, looking at your life, would they say, man, they really believe that? They really follow Jesus. So that's dead faith. Now, now James throws in this, this bizarre example. He's, he's, he's talked about demonic faith. Demonic faith. Did you see a little verse in there, verse 19? It says, you believe that there is one God, and you do well. Even the demons got that kind of faith. Even the demons believe that much. And they not only believe it, they get emotional about it. They, they tremble at this fact. They, they know. So I got to thinking about that demonic faith. What's he talking about? I mean, he's almost saying, that, is, is that all you got? Is I, I believe in God? Or, or I, I believe... There's one God, I believe there's one true God, the creator of heaven and earth. He said they believe that much. Let me, let me tell you what else they believe. We, we've run across them, especially in our Mark study. We, we kept hearing them talking to Jesus. Didn't you remember that when we did our Mark study? And they, they, they believe, the demons even believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We know who you are. You are the Son of the Most High God. See, so demons believe there's one true God. They remember the day they got kicked out of his heaven. They, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe there's judgment and that their time is gr growing short and that Christ will return. They believe that much. And my goodness, sometimes when we hear the, the enemy talking, especially to Jesus and the temptation, what, what was he quoting? He, he knew the Bible, didn't he? He was quoting the Bible. So even demons believe that much. And James says, there's got to be something different about you than there would be a demon. Hmm. Saving faith has to be more than what even a demon has. Now, I, I would say, believing there's one God, believing that Jesus is his son, judgment's coming, you're going to have to answer. And knowing the scripture, that's, that's all pretty important. But James says, I, I want there to be something more than that in you. I want there to be something more. Let's just kind of bring it to our, our setting. I want there to be something more than just you, you sing a couple songs and you got your radio station put on that memory of that, that K-Love station or whatever. Or you, you go to church on Sundays and, and you read your Bible from time to time, maybe daily or, or maybe even say a prayer or two for everybody. I, I want there to be something more than just that coming out of your life. See what I'm talking about? And he gets to this third point. So there's dead faith. There's demon faith and then there's dynamic faith. This is where he wants to know, is your faith dynamic? Is it alive? 
You know, the idea of dynamic. If something's in dynamic, it's moving, it's, it's growing, it's giving, right? Versus static. If something's static and stale, it's just stationary, it's, it's like dead, right? So faith in Jesus produces a life that does the works of Jesus. Now, one of my Israel trips, my teacher said something to us that just kind of stuck. You know, some things just stick in your head and you just can't get over it. This is one of those things. He said this. We are not just to have faith in Jesus. That we are to have the faith of Jesus. So we're not just to, to make a mental sin and believe in Jesus, but Jesus is training us and teaching us all the things He knows about God, all the things that He knows that we can handle about life and, and godliness and all the things, how we treat people. Jesus is not just interested in you believing in Him. He wants you to believe like Him. You understand the difference? So not just believe in Jesus, but believe what Jesus believed. Does that make sense to you? So that's why we study the scriptures. That's why we read the teachings of Jesus. So, so I cannot just believe in him. I, I, I kind of already settled that part for my life. Now I want to know what he thinks about how I should live my life. I want to believe like him. Hmm. This idea of dynamic faith. Now here's a picture for you. Just an image came to mind when I read through that. And I saw this, this tree like this. And I didn't draw this, but I, I found it. It kind of mirrored the picture that was in my head. You got this tree. And what's the most important part of this tree? It's, it's the part you don't see, right? And Paul says in a different place, he says that we should be rooted and grounded in Christ. But if, if the soil's good, the seed's good, and the root system gets good, then what is the natural progression for that tree? It will grow and it will do what? It'll produce fruit. Or whatever it might be, a bloom or flower or fruit. It'll produce fruit, right? So if we're rooted in... This is where... I, I just see James here. This, this is the idea. This tree is us. It's, it's a healthy Christian. We're rooted and grounded in Christ. Our lives ought to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Now we're not perfect in it and people still get on our nerves and we still struggle, but we should have more love and more joy and more peace and more gentleness and more kindness and more goodness and more self-control. We, those things should be growing in our lives, shouldn't they? And at least when we don't, we, we feel it and we know the difference and we know what to do about it. But we got the fruit of the Spirit here, but also not just the fruit of the Spirit. See, that's dealing with our character, which is hugely important. But here, now this is dealing with what we do. If, if you're rooted and grounded in Christ, you, you begin to produce these good works. You get the point? I think you do. So he gives us two examples, James does. Two examples of this dynamic faith. And they're, they're kind of opposite. Okay? You got Abraham here and you got Rahab here. Abraham, he's a man. Rahab obviously is a woman. Abraham's the father of the Hebrews. And Rahab is a Gentile. What, what city did Rahab live in? Jericho. Jericho. Remember that? Jericho. Joshua fit the walls of Jericho. 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 Joshua fit the walls of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. Right? That's a story. She's, he's going to talk about Genesis 22 for Abraham. He's going to talk about Joshua 2 for Rahab. 
So Abraham is, is this upstanding man. He's one of the most revered men of all human history. The Jews revere him. The Christians revere him. Even the Muslims revere him. He is probably outside of Jesus the most revered man of all human history. Rahab, what'd she do for a living? She worked at the house of ill repute downtown Fifth and Main. That couldn't be two different people if, if you tried. So so James is showing us <laughs> some some crazy stuff. Now Abraham. This idea of dynamic faith. Abraham. In fact, when Paul wants to talk to us about faith, he goes straight to Abraham. Abraham is considered to be the father of our faith, the father of faith. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Was he justified? When he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. That's Genesis 22. And do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. And you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So it's it's a pretty wild story. The Abraham Isaac story. Offering his son on the altar, which became this this picture of how Father God is going to offer His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. It's, it's a wild story. We'll, we'll talk about the Akedah, is what the Hebrews call it. We'll talk about that at, at a later date. It is a fascinating story. But James goes straight to this story and he says, how do we know Abraham believed God? How do we know that? How do we know that Abraham believed God? Well, basically he did what he told him to do, Right? So God said this, this crazy thing to him to go and take your son. And Abraham didn't say, okay, I believe you. I believe you. But instead he acted on what God said. Even to the point, the Hebrews writer tells us, even to the point that if God would have had him kill his son, he believed that God would have to raise him from the dead. That's what it says. So it wasn't just words. You see, this dynamic faith is not just words. It's not just words that we speak as Christians. It's not just knowing all the phrases and all the scriptures and all the creeds. It's not just knowing that. It's not just being able to sing the songs and know where the hymnal is and knowing where a place in the Bible you can find the scripture. It's not just knowing about all. It's not just words, but it's words with action. And Abraham was justified when he put his faith in action. So now how, how, how are we going to be in right relationship with God? Well, when our faith produces the kind of life that does what God says. See, see I, I find out. You know, some people struggle whether or not they're saved or not. And I know you've got to work that out. And the Bible's plain about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You've got to work that out. You've got to come to saving knowledge. You've got to have enough knowledge to be able to be saved. You've got to know what Jesus did for you. But a, a lot of people, even after they've been in church for a long time, they, they struggle with the idea of, am I right with God? Am I right with God? You ever met anybody like that? Well, how will you know when you're right with God? How will you know? Oh, boy, said, I just know that I know that I know. But, but how can you know? How, how can I, let me just say it like this. It's kind of simple, but how do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? 
I mean, it's, it's got apples on it, right? How, how will you know that a pear tree is a pear tree? How will you know that a banana tree is a banana tree? In fact, Jerry Brown tried to give me some banana trees the other day, and I said, do they make bananas? He said, no, they're just banana trees. They don't make bananas. I said, well, that's not a banana tree. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they call them banana trees, but they don't make bananas. And that, that was my sermon illustration right there. Well, how, how will we know? Actions will tell. How you live your daily life will tell. Hmm. Then he talks about Rahab. So you got Abraham and you got Rahab. Remember, Rahab, she heard about the, the Hebrews. She heard about Joshua and the Hebrews, and she believed God was with them even before they got there. And remember, the spies had to come and spy out the land and all that kind of thing, and she took them in and protected them from, from being seen by the, the other soldiers. That, that were there in Jericho. And she took them in the house, and then they made this deal with her. Say, since you protected us, we're not, when we come in here and take this city, we're not going to take you and your family out. We're not going to take y'all out. So I want you to drop this scarlet cord. If, you, if you're still on, on this board with this, you drop this scarlet ribbon down the side of this wall. Evidently, those walls had houses in them and stuff. She lived on that wall. She dropped this scarlet cord down, and they spared her life. Now, what does she do for a living now? But she came in contact with a word and she heard and she believed and she put that in action to the point that she even put her own life on the line to save these men. And she makes the genealogy of Jesus, really, she does. Rahab got into the family by simply believing God. But it wasn't just a mental ascent. She acted on That's what James is talking about. As the body without faith, or excuse me, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. All right? You see what James is doing? James is giving us a warning for us to examine ourselves. It's an important warning. It's, it's an important thing for us to settle. To see if we're in right relationship with Christ. And Paul would say it in another place to the Corinthians. Examine yourselves to see if you be in the faith. And here's the question we end with. If you were put on trial for being a Christian. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's important. You, you want a preacher asking you that because you don't want Jesus asking you that on that day. You, you want to have that kind of settled before you get there, right? So, so Matthew 25, Jesus talks about something. He talks about all the nations and all the people of the earth being brought before him and him judging them from his throne. And he says this, he said, the sheep are going to go to my right hand and the goats to the left, Right? And how, how, do, how do you know the sheep, Jesus? How do you know the sheep? Well, the sheep are, are my sheep, my, my flock, my, my family, are the ones that when, when I was hungry or when I was thirsty or when I was a stranger or when I was naked or when I was sick or when I was in prison, they, they came and they helped me and they met my need where I was. That, that's my sheep. And I'm going to say to those folks, enter into the joy of the Lord. 
Now notice that he did not say now. He, he didn't say that they, they went to an altar and they prayed a prayer or they went to a camp and they got had an emotional experience. He didn't say nothing about none of that, did he? He said that my sheep are people that I, I can look down on the earth and I can see them in action. And they're out there meeting human need and they're out there helping people and they're out there caring for people and they're out there doing the things that I told them to do. That's my sheep. And you know what? They, they said, when do we see you doing all that? When do we see you hungry, Jesus? When do we see you, you know, in trouble? When, when do we see you? And Jesus says this powerful statement. He said, when you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. So who are the sheep? Were the sheep or the people that... Well, now we've prayed the prayer. We've done those kind of things. We, we, we stay close to God. We, we, we go to church. We, but that's not... He don't bring none of that up. He said they're doing what I told them to do. And they're helping people. And he said, but the goats over here. The goats. You know, the goats. <laughs> the goats. They, 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 they saw somebody, but... They, they saw somebody hungry, but. They saw somebody naked, but. They, they, oh, that didn't sound right. <laughs> they saw somebody thirsty, but. Lord, you've got to stop me before I say some stuff. <laughs> they, they go saw, they, they, they butt, you know, they, they, they had butt, they, they, but they got butts on there. But, 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 I didn't have this, I didn't do this, I won't, not, not, but, but. The goat said, well, you saw all those things, but you didn't do anything about them. See what I'm talking about? Depart from me. Hmm. See, James and Jesus, they, they were half brothers. Jesus talked about this to him. He said, what I want out of your life is not just religious activity. I want a profit out of you. That's what God would say to us. There ought to be evidence in Gilberttown and Silas and Butler and all of our surrounding communities and up there in Pennington, up there, and they, they need some of this stuff up there. <laughs> they, 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 they need a people who are scattered throughout the earth, salt and light, who are doing the good works of Jesus. And Jesus would look down at us and say, that is what faith looks like. We, we got sayings about that. It's not just words. What, what, what do we say about talk is... Mm-hmm. We say stuff like that, don't we? Because see, if somebody says they love you, what do you expect to happen? Well, good things to flow to you from them. Faith without works is what? It's dead. So now, where are you with it? The dead faith, the demonic faith, or are you living in a dynamic faith? We're all growing in this now. Nobody's got this perfect. Not me, you, nobody else. But we need a dynamic faith that lives a life to where we want to bring profit for God and His kingdom. Is that you? Amen. Let's pray. Hi, Lord, we need your help. And Lord, we just speak against condemnation, all that kind of thing that the enemy tries to bring all the time with guilt trips. This is not what this is about. In fact, you don't even use that. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to just take honest inventory. Is, is, is this what you're pleased with in my life, Lord? Have I bought into the lie that 
just words are enough or I, I believe, but I just don't do. Just set us free from those lines, Lord. And just free to be who you want us to be. Free to be who you created us to be. Free to do good things. Not just to earn anything, but just because people need it. You want it and people need it. Help us, Lord. I pray for each one of us that you would help us to have a vibrant, dynamic, life-giving faith. It wouldn't just be about rules and rituals, but it'd be about a living relationship that we have with you, Lord, that produces something good in our families, in our own lives, and in our communities. Make us your kind of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.